0: Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word "gift" on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's Facebook.com/slash Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners, welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Jonathan Maxim. He is... uh chief marketing officer for KJ Growth. That's his company, but he's a chief marketing officer for other uh, companies that he, Angel and Venture, invests in. He's done a Fortune 500 marketing strategist turned growth hacker who's led global campaigns for top brands like Monster Energy, Xfinity, and TikTok, which gained 22,800 app installs in the first 30 days of their campaign. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Jonathan, can you kind of paint us a picture of KJ growth today? Is it, uh, are you guys kind of a consultancy, an agency? Kind of what's the setup and who's a a typical client of yours?
1: Absolutely. So, being an app founder myself, I had a mobile fitness app that gave you rewards for working out. So, your miles would be tracked on the device with the GPS and then give you rewards. Um, You'd use those points to apply toward contests and toward, you know, free things like a tank top or a free bottle of water or, Know, whatever. So that taught me a lot of different growth hacking methodologies. And at the time, I was working in corporate, um, but I was you know moonlighting this. And I had to get scrappy. I, I spent all my money on software development and ended up you know coming up with a bunch of creative strategies for growth. And this is kind of like right when startups were like you know at their height in the the big fantasy world of startups. And you know we had some things go viral. We we had some influencers on Twitter that ended up you know retweeting stuff laterally a lot and reaching a. Big audience and got us like 17,000 installs in a night. And then we also got it published in Forbes organically. And that led us to going into MindBody Green and all these other publications. So it's kind of like the, the traditional growth hacker story. And so that really inspired me to like go deeper on this. And then, you know, other startups that were working in the co working space, I was in, started asking, like, hey, can you create that kind of growth for us? So it started getting a lot of momentum because it helped fund the growth of my initial company. And so we started bringing on these clients. And now today, three years later, we've served about 150 companies, uh, with very various different types of campaigns. And for those of you listening who are not familiar with the term growth hacking, it's basically like, you know, engineering virality coined by startups, but now applied to a lot of other arenas. And so since then, uh, companies from TikTok to Triller, uh, you know, to e e-commerce companies. Um, our, our main space is tech and e-com. So on the e-com front, it's typically like a Facebook, Instagram, video marketing stack with either convertory or click funnels for the funnel building. And then really aggressive management of media spend and a really aggressive uh, test and learn process. And that has helped a lot of e-commerce companies, like some of Mark Cuban's companies really. You know, hit for 10x ROAS on their ads, and then the other side of it is virality for apps. So campaigns like the TikTok one, which I think we'll talk about today, as well as Triller, finding a way to get them, you know, 100,000 installs a month, at a much reduced cost, and just you know, provide immense scalability, um, get them to the top of the App Store, things like that. And so, kind of like wove that experience from you know, being a founder myself right into that. But just the the e-com world pulled me in because a lot of these methodologies just worked well for that too.
0: And sometimes I wonder why growth hacking, Jonathan, is not just called really good marketing. You mentioned this term engineering. And is is that why that people from the software and app space have thought of this as uh, something that's kind of different than just really good marketing, that there is some kind of hacking to it that you're either writing code or you're doing some kind of level of engineering with your marketing strategies? And that's what kind of separates growth hacking from just like you know, other other forms of, of marketing?
1: Yeah, I don't know that there's like a real clear distinction there. I mean, if somebody's really talented and create hockey stick growth, I mean, <laughs> they could call themselves a growth hacker, right? I think the way we look at it is it's like a, turning things into simple logic, right? That can be like repeatable processes, very, very process driven as a company, and taking those methodologies that have been proven by a lot of statistically significant data and then applying creativity to that. Um, so with the TikTok campaign, we were, you know, we had 500 influencers recruited. We had 30 days to deliver 22,000 installs, and we didn't know, but they had already saturated all the influencer space. They had worked with like 80 percent of the influencers we had, and you know, basically our cost per install was like $100, and it needed to be $5 for us to make money on it. So we had to get really creative. Uh, we had, you know, all these systems and methodologies set up, but when push came to shove, you know. Four of the agencies on the project refunded the money without prompt because they just couldn't deliver on the promise. And, you know, we were the smallest of them. Zephyr was another one that was on there. I'm not sure if you know them, but uh, we, we had to get creative. And this is where I think diamonds are made, you know, when the, there's that much pressure and we couldn't afford to refund the $50,000 in media spend without, going, you know, putting a huge hole in the company. And so we got creative and, and then we developed the software to um, send direct messages. From the influencers' profiles to their fans, so we had all these influencers, and they were posting to their feed, but they weren't beating the algo, and the reach wasn't high, and the audiences were saturated. So we tried to, you know, instead of reach the twenty percent through the algorithm, reach the eighty percent through the inbox of people. You know, the open rates like eighty percent, and there's no algorithm on DMs. And so we just had fans, you know, be like Tim Ferriss, being like, Hey, Brent, I just released a new video on TikTok. It's going viral right now. Check it out and the click through rate was just crazy it was like 30 40% and the conversion rate was like 80% so we you know we took an org, uh, what was a paid media strategy and we took an organic twist on it put some technology behind it developed this software and in the course of like a week you know we just scrapped something together that could you know mass dm people and that's how we made it happen and now it's a pretty popular service of ours so you know i think innovation is a big part of it creativity and data but at the end of the day that's just a good marketer right <laughs>
0: So you're uh, and, I, and I do want to back up uh just a little bit cuz you you definitely uh I mean TikTok itself is I think for most of our listeners at this point have probably heard of it. I mean just from like the political coverage over the last couple of of months I think has made this app much more known. I think when we were, I mean, even one of my clients does some TikTok consulting and like right when the right, right when COVID hit, he was kind of picking up with that kind of stuff. And most of the people in our group were like, TikTok, what is that, right? I mean, I think that maybe has changed in the last three or four months, which is maybe somewhat due to what you have uh, done. You've played a part in that. But, uh, you know, it's a social media platform similar to kind of short form video, like Instagram now has Reels or, uh, you know, they used to have Vine, I think, whatever in the Twitter ecosystem. So it's these short form videos as a platform. Lots of influencers are on it. You mentioned this campaign that they hired you and a few other agencies to run. Is that what I'm getting clear? that You guys were each paid some money or kind of ran some kind of competition between, between all of you to get them certain results and some agencies ended up not able to do that and they had to refund TikTok? Is that what I'm understanding?
1: Yeah. So they basically... And this is a good note for other agency founders out there. They search for growth hackers in Los Angeles. And we rank, I think, like 3 for that. And so they came in through SEO. They had us bid the job. They gave us a, an RFP. And then I looked at the sharing settings on the Google document and I saw the other agencies on the project by the URL and their emails. Um, so that's a, how I was able to identify who was on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'm always just like sniffing around. Um, and it's a good practice. Um, I found out one of them. I, I live in Marina Del Rey, and literally next door, that building right there is Zephyr. That's their headquarters, and that's one of the companies that failed on this campaign. And it was it was really interesting to eat the lunch off of our neighbor's plate like that because you know they're much bigger ad dollars behind them, but they're just you know they probably got the office looks like what like thirty thousand square feet is huge, so they probably got hundreds of employees, and you know they they just weren't uh, scrappy and aggressive enough. And TikTok at the time wasn't that trendy. This is back in April of last year. Um, We've been working with them for just over a year now. Um, but a lot of people, I think, especially from a media buying perspective and a content perspective, they're like, how can I use TikTok? Um, and now that Instagram has released reels, I think it increases the viability because Instagram really does make the decisions, I think, for a lot of uh, marketers. But, you know, it's a little hard to tell whether it makes sense to be, you know, Hanging out where, like, uh, you know, teenagers are doing dance moves and stuff. Um, I know I was just with my buddy and he's a lawyer and he was creating a lot of TikTok content. And he got really good engagement and reach, but he got zero leads out of it, but he gets a ton of leads out of Instagram. So I think there's something to be said there. But in general, because of the, the data privacy concerns, the fact that the Chinese government owns a good portion of the company, um, the platform is likely to be removed from the US App Store. It might even be right now because their competitor, Triller, Um, who's also a client of ours, shot to the top in position one. Um, Very similar app, you know, dance and music, but it's backed by a lot of people in the music industry. So, you know, I think it's a little hard to say, you know, whether us marketers should go in there and and start, you know, tearing it up and and creating audiences and doing that kind of stuff, Um, especially with the regulatory stuff. You know, some people are going to lose their whole audiences. They built on TikTok if it gets banned. More than likely it's going to get acquired by Microsoft and they'll move the service to the U.S. But, I think it was a really good lesson in not following shiny objects because I, I chose not to be a creator on TikTok. I was like, this doesn't relate closely enough to my audience. And It's too time consuming to produce music and video together. And I also suck at dancing. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to put myself on blast here.
0: I was going to say so- you and uh, what's your name? Charlie... Uh- D'Amelio or whatever. You could, you could be doing some, some, uh, some growth hacking dance moves to maybe uh, you know, boost, your, boost your, uh, your lead acquisition, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. So, Actually, so, what's funny is, just real
1: quick, we, um, I, I think the, the act of self-deprecating humor is incredibly powerful in marketing. Um, for our own funnel, we use a Facebook and Instagram ads funnel. And the, my team um, proposed that I put my face on a unicorn, like a cartoon unicorn. And use that in ads. And so we came up with a bunch of like goofy ass ads that had like unicorns and like Charizard and stuff like that. And it has been incredibly high converting. The click through rate is crazy on it. So something to consider if you guys are willing to take creative risks as founders, it can definitely pay, the, you know, pay its
0: way. So next time you're on Instagram and you see Brent Weaver on a unicorn, you can thank Jonathan Maxim for <laughs> giving me a, a foolproof marketing strategy. I would love to, love to send that along. Maybe I can include
1: it in the show notes or something. Uh, I think it's, it's just fun to, to take those risks because we all take ourselves so seriously in business and the truth is like people want to have fun.
0: you know. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that is fast to set up and delivers my clients' websites with the speed the internet demands. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme set up valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. When I think of growth hacking and even the campaign that you did for TikTok, and maybe you can explain a little bit more that uh, the other agencies had to refund money because they weren't able to get results i mean was the, the RFP was was performance driven with a company like that i mean is that common i just i don't you don't hear about that kind of behavior in the agency world where companies are actually having to refund media buy so can you maybe explain that a little bit of how that risk worked for you as an agency owner yeah this is a
1: that's a it's a really smart and intuitive catch you had there because it was incredibly risky think about it i mean they pay our retainer you know it was like $300,000 so they gave us 150,000 to start and we spent 50 grand of it. And it's like, okay, if we don't have results, yeah, most clients, you could just be like, look, you didn't get results or maybe you got, you know, a hundred installs. But when you're talking about a company that's valued at 79 billion, by dance, their owner, you don't want to be in a legal battle with somebody like that. You don't want them banging on your door asking for that money back. And you don't want a bad reputation for bad performance. You know, they could easily go and slander our name. So that was a huge risk that I didn't understand until I got into it. And I think that's why the competitors just. Ponied the money back up because they're like, whoa, we don't want the big bad guy from China chasing us down for his money. And so that was, you know, just by a complete strike of luck and, and God's hand that we didn't get into that blind. But, you know, it was a performance basis campaign. We had to deliver a certain amount of installs at a certain cost. Um, we had to have a certain loyal. you know, so D1, 50 plus, 50% plus. So, you know, 50% of people come back and use the app the second day. And it had to be US only, 18 up. So there was a lot of strict parameters around the deliverables. Was it a wise decision to take on the campaign? The risk was probably 20 to 80, you know, but we were, I mean, I, I would say my team is aggressive enough to fit into that 20. And so that's why I went, you know, forward with it. But could I have completely gutted the company and, you know, destroyed our business? Yeah, in theory, uh, or been in a legal battle. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really valuable lesson there. And the other companies who did the media buy, like, you know, the, on programmatic, the cost was like coming out to like 100 to 400 dollars per install, and their target was 10 dollars. So that's why when they saw from the tests from the test campaigns, they were like, F- "This, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk it."
0: You mentioned part of your strategy was this mass DMing of people, and I'm seeing a lot more Messenger activity within brands in general, and obviously, you guys are talking about creating some applications that are going in and messaging people. There's applications like many chats and, you know, bots and all this kind of stuff, which I think have are still super effective, but also at the same time, I think a lot of customers, you know, a lot of users are, I know at least Facebook seems like they're, locking down or, you know, kind of de-emphasizing like the ability of bots to kind of be in there working with people because I think people kind of got turned off by it. So there's that phrase like, you know, uh, everything everything is great until marketers ruin it or whatever. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think growth hackers, you guys are like ruining things on steroids. So you're creating tools to go in and make people feel like Timothy Ferris is really messaging me to tell me that, you know, he's thinking about me and he wants me to go check out his video or whatever. I mean, obviously, Tim Ferriss is not going to message me, uh, even though I do follow him on some of these platforms. I mean, are you are you essentially creating tools and tactics that just have like a really short shelf life? Because I can't imagine that Instagram or these tools are going to let you just run like automated scripts through their chat engines uh, indefinitely. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's part of why it makes running my kind of business
1: very hard because... Uh, the shelf life is, is short when you're exploiting organic systems. So like whether you're automating DMs on LinkedIn or, you know, you're scraping websites and sending, you know, messages or whatever. And there's obviously a really thin line that, you know, you can be spamming people. You know, we of course work within the bounds of Instagram's terms of service and stuff like that. Um, but that's not something we're really that forward with selling. Um, that kind of campaign takes a lot of time and effort to develop. And so it, we wouldn't be profitable if we were to do that on smaller scales. So uh, the backbone of our business is much more on effective media buying, uh, Facebook and Instagram ads for e-commerce, and the crossover of organic and paid media. And so like having influencers create videos and running those videos as ads, um, or running the ads straight from the influencers' fan page as opposed to the brand's fan page. So we have like a couple backbone services and and the e stack and. Uh, acquisition strategies for app installs are very much more process oriented than like the growth hacky stuff we don't we don't innovate like that unless uh, we have a client we really want to impress or if we're in a big pinch or if we get a really big opportunity but for the most part it's it's still pretty traditional marketing just much more aggressive and that's really what you know makes the company profitable and keeps clients coming in I mean we're we're very transparent with our clients. We set up a dashboard that shows their media spend, their revenue, all the core KPIs and stuff like that. So it's really heavily focused on the performance. And that's just what keeps the team accountable. And, and, you know, we come up with creative things along the way. But in general, like, I mean, I don't
0: recommend trying to do that TikTok campaign on a regular basis. How have you applied? You mentioned that TikTok actually found you through search ranking. Mm hmm is, and you also mentioned that you do some ads and, uh, you know, you on a, uh, uh, as a cartoon unicorn is uh, is fantastic, but how are you leveraging growth hacking? How do you think our audience, our, our other agency owners out there, I mean, should should they be thinking about growth hacking as a concept for themselves to get clients, or is it really only something that works when you're talking about marketing at scale for people like TikTok and, you know, in in, in, in these, these kind of places that there's you know, these numbers that you're throwing out there of, you know, thousands or tens of thousands or hundred thousand installs in a month. I mean, most agencies, even if they're a seven figure agency don't need that volume of exposure in their market. So how, how do you guys use growth hacking strategies uh, in terms of marketing your agency? Is it relevant for agency owners to be thinking about for themselves? Yeah. I mean, the, the
1: methodology was originally for shoestring budgets, right. Coming up with creative ways to get around like advertising platforms, essentially avoiding ad dollars, You know The TikTok campaign is a bit different because we developed technology for it. But in general, you can find technology that can sue you well. So I actually do encourage founders to to be using growth hacking strategies for themselves because they can save themselves a lot of money from doing advertising. I mean, we did all of our marketing for our own company. We did a lot of LinkedIn, um, did a lot of LinkedIn automation to generate new clients and writing for different publications, doing viral PR strategies, stuff like that. When we didn't have as much money and then when we started, you know, getting a nice smooth cash flow, now we invest around, I don't know, somewhere between 10, 15 K a month in ads for our business. You know, until you're at that point, I I say stay scrappy, you know, stay creative, try different stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can do and automate in an ethical way that would bring you new business. I mean, I think LinkedIn is a clear example of that using the messaging tools, uh, you know, connecting with good prospects. But I, I just I think the important part is to just learn to to think outside of the box and and think a little bit crazy. You know, put your face on a unicorn. Maybe try an automation. Maybe get you know blocked from an email or something like that. But like at the end of the day, be innovating. You know, just always be trying some crazy new. And you know, I think I've never seen any other agencies running cartoon, you know, pink and purple unicorns. Um, when you can break the, the the perception that much you know you can break the cycle of perception that much uh, that's a growth hack in my mind and you know there's so many cookie cutter strategies that you know just get destroyed the marketers you know when they, when the ants come to the picnic if you will that like you, you, our whole job is to be creative right so apply that and apply your data knowledge and, and make strategic decisions like that another thing I want to emphasize is that like when we run our funnel, uh, we follow a very specific recipe, but the creative varies dramatically. right? So we have the unicorn at the front. And then the video script goes hook, which is the unicorn, problem, solution, doubts and credibility, call to action. So that structure really invites people through a story. And we even use selfie video ads, which are super low production. Um, they look more authentic. They take people on a journey. And then we, you know, push them to an application form. So people have to apply to work with us. And that filters out a ton of bad leads and gives us a ton of qualification metrics and scores them before I get on the phone with them. So just thinking about pushing back, these are all things that we kind of like came up with in-house because we needed to improve the performance of our own ads. But you know, I think the that creative thinking um and just being willing to break the rules or bend the rules will really bode you well as a marketer. And the last thing is that we as an agency every strategic decision we make is has to be empirically backed so it has to have statistical significance right so if we have hundred clicks to the lander and you know five conversions then we'll scale that ad set but if it's one sale on the ad set or if it's one lead on the ad set we won't scale it until we know with statistical significance that it's going to grow. And so all of our optimization decisions, our creative decisions are driven by what the data is telling us. So if the click-through rate is low, put a different hook. If the conversion rate is low, modify the content and modify the lander. So it really does take a data back into all of that. And that's why it's so hard. You know, We have the hardest job in my opinion. Because you're, you're employed by all these different companies who could fire you at any given time.
0: You mentioned uh, a couple times this idea of thinking outside the box, kind of crazy ideas, creative thinking as a process. Is there any, uh, you know, I mean, are you just kind of getting in a room or these days maybe on a Zoom with your team and throwing around ideas? Or are there any processes that you use to kind of, or frameworks to kind of hopefully get that crazy idea? Yeah, we don't have a framework for getting
1: crazy ideas now that you mention it. And that's probably an opportunity area. It's a way that we could improve. Um, I just listened to the um, the book by Bob Iger, The Ride of a Lifetime. He's the CEO of Disney, and they're the whole book he's talking about how to facilitate a creative environment and meet business goals. And the truth is, is that you just have to create space for it. You just have to say, no rules here, do what you guys want. Um, kind of reminds me of Mad Men when they're in like the, the war rooms and stuff, but. When we do it, we have what we call the Midnight Marauders. A bunch of the people on our team are, you know, they love hustling and they just open up a conference bridge at night and people come and go from our team, just hang out, talk, BS, share creative ads that they found, share like ideas and stuff. And that's actually where most of our crazy ideas come from is, you know, on our midnight conference bridge
0: calls. Well, there you go. It sounds like you're creating space, sounds like you're learning from some of the masters like uh, Bob. Iger, and uh, you've got your Midnight Marauders. So if you want to create ideas like Jonathan, then, you know, maybe you need to create your own Midnight Group if you're out there listening to this show. So, uh, dude, this has been super insightful. I think what you guys are doing as, a, as an agency, as a service for clients is fascinating. I think the level that you're playing at, the ingenuity that you're taking with both your own business, also the, the, the risks that you're taking with... Uh, some of these engagements, like with TikTok. I mean, you see these fast growth companies and it's really interesting to learn uh, the behind the scenes of how they're actually making that happen and and realizing that it's not just like, oh, wow, that was a good app. Everybody installed it. But there are people that are engineering things uh, to create that growth, which is, uh, which is really awesome, dude. So this has been great. Are you ready for our lightning round? Yes, sir. All right. First question in lightning round. What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: Be willing to delay immediate gratification for a long-term gratification.
0: Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success?
1: Man, that's a tough one. I'm going to say journaling, but meditation has definitely been at the top many a time.
0: Can you share a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Well, I have a lot that I love. I
1: think my, my favorite one right now is Go High Level. I don't know. Most of you guys probably know what that is. It's a CRM for marketing agencies, but we handle all of our SMS, email, all It's all automated. You can copy and paste and give it to other clients. It's really, really nice. It's 99 bucks. What book would you recommend and why? The Way of the Superior Man. Definitely more on the personal than professional, but it really teaches you uh, to, to take ownership and accountability and, and just to never hold grudges.
0: Awesome. Well, we will link out to the way of the superior man, as well as go high level. I was recently on their podcast. So great people, great team, lots of really cool things. Got several clients that use their service as well. So we'll, uh, and plus we'll have a ton of notes and takeaways over at our show notes page. So if you check that out, dot forward slash podcast. So if you're on a run or on the road and you want to get all those goodies, just check out our website. Go to the podcast. You'll see Jonathan Maxim's photo there. If you're looking at the site Week of, click on that and you'll find all those resources in one place. Jonathan, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, we have a, a free guide
1: on how to create viral videos uh, for TikTok or Triller or whatever, you know, Reels platform. Um, it, it's in a pop up on our website, so you can get that free there at kjgrowth.com. And if you want to follow along with some of the more behind the scenes stuff, my Instagram is at it's Jay Maxim. I-T-S Jay Maxim.
0: Sweet. Well, Jonathan, we will also link out to uh, KJ Growth as well as your Instagram, and uh, we'll call special attention to that guide. So that sounds super useful. I think a lot of us don't know what goes into a viral video. We think, oh, let's just create a bunch of content, and maybe one of those will go viral. Sounds like you should probably be doing a few things to make sure that uh, you're setting your videos up for viral success. So check that out at kjgrowth.com, or you can go visit our show notes page, yougurus.com slash podcast. You'll have all those resources from Jonathan's episode all in one place. Jonathan, uh, dude, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure and
1: I really appreciate you creating space for us. And, uh, great question asker.
0: Awesome. We're well, glad, uh, glad to be of service. And, uh, you know, thanks also to our audience and listeners out there for being great fans. And, uh, hopefully you guys got a lot out of Jonathan's interview today. That's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.